0: Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike, along with Luke Acree. And our guest today is Brad McDaniel. And we have kind of a cool backstory with him. We actually, you met his brother on on his podcast. (laughs) Now he's coming on our podcast to talk about what everyone really wants to know, which is, especially in the real estate world, and I think we're going to get into this podcast Mm -hmm. about how this can apply to so many different industries, but it's kind of predicting outcomes predicting behavior of potential clients.
1: Yeah. He's applied, I mean, this guy obviously has a huge background in AI and machine learning and predictive analytics and his company you'll learn all about it, but he's predicting transactions right now within real estate, but he has for insurance, mortgage, real estate agents are using his program right now. Really, really interesting stuff. And
0: he makes it easy on us from the standpoint of he uses some great analogies so that we don't get there's a great story in there about target of the data. Uh, So he'll be uh, coming on in just a second. But first, before we bring him on, wanted to read some of the YouTube comments from our most recent podcast. Well, most recent in terms of when we're recording this one, not when this one will be released, but with Lee Brown. So uh, immediately we had some great comments from this one. Don Harris says, great content and advice from Lee. Well worth the time I spent to listen. Darlene says, our first magazine. So the American Lifestyle is going out in a couple weeks. Love getting the golden nuggets from Lee Brown. Great podcast. And then Brian says, worth listening to, even if you're not a realtor. The life lessons and tips are fantastic, and you will laugh a lot, too. So if you haven't a chance to check out her podcast, it's episode 263. We really did have a lot of fun with Lee. All right. And uh, if you want to leave us a comment to, uh, on the podcast, you can, <laughs> you can head on over to our YouTube page. It is YouTube.com slash Reminder Media. We have all of our podcasts there as well as Statepaidpodcast.com. But now let's get into this week's interview. Our guest today is Brad McDaniel. He's an entrepreneur and technologist with over 15 years of experience in real estate prop tech and fintech with an emphasis in product development, sales, and business leadership. Brad founded Real Agile in 2007, and his most recent startup, which we'll talk about today, is Likely.ai, which he's building to be the premier prop tech artificial intelligence partner for the residential real estate ecosystem. Brad, welcome to the podcast.
3: Hey, thank you very much. That was a mouthful, man. Thank you very much for introducing me so nicely. I'm a lot, not a, lot of smart words in right there. there. <laughs> I was actually thinking the
1: same thing. I was like, man, that was smooth. Nice intro. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Josh has right. the harder job where he has to intro the people in. So the people's <laughs> names and their background. I'm just like, oh, I'm so glad that's Josh's job. <laughs> hey, man, we have an easy name. We are excited to interview you. Um, obviously, we got connected through Instagram for people listening. We got connected through one of our, our previous guests, Shadi Bazzi. So if you guys haven't listened to his episode, uh, he's, a, he's a stud real estate coach. He was a great real estate agent himself, uh, but he connected uh, Brad and I and said, you've got to interview this person because they're doing some big things within the real estate space. So I'm excited today to talk about you know predictive analytics and being able to predict who might be a good candidate for your business, especially because even our business give a little background to the audience our business uses some of this tech now. We partner with another company. So I'm really sure. you know, excited to kind of hear your take. Um, but I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself, like your entrepreneurial journey. You've been a part of multiple startups. And yeah. what's gotten you up to where you're at today, if you wouldn't mind sharing some background there?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it goes all the way back to... Um, I went to College of TCU, came out and the real estate market was red hot in 0506 Um, And it was like taking orders. And, and so I you know, like any normal marketing person, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go right into a sales side of business because I'm out of college and I know how to do marketing. Um, you know, as the market went to, you know, South kind of, as we saw, um, kind of put my marketing hat on and said, how do I really do this? Well, and man, it was all just blanket, carpet, bomb, everything. And I was like, there's gotta be a better way. I mean, someone had to have invented, you know, a way to target your marketing better than, than this. And, and there hadn't been, there was no prior art, no one else had filed any patents or anything like that. So I founded Real Agile, uh, well co-founded Real Agile. We thought the name was awesome, uh, but uh, no one could remember it. Uh, real estate <laughs> developers thought that it was like the agile development cycle. And I'm like, well, that sucks. But the technology we're trying to build, you know, was, was valid and it was bringing, you know, really machine learning uh, hmm. kind of modeling early stages of that. In, but it was a different time. Um, you know, AWS didn't really exist with, uh, GPUs cost effectively available, um, data scientists were graduate students. I um, mean, <laughs> it, it wasn't really an industry yet. If you had a CRM, you were really rocking it in <laughs> the high tech back then. So, you know, with that kind of being a, a frame, you know, go forward. I, I found out that the business model and, you know, trying to apply predictive analytics and, and quote AI early AI, uh, we were on the bleeding edge of innovation. <laughs> um, and so Uh, The CTO market leader, um, you know, recruited me to come up there. So, you know, he's like, man, this, this company needs uh, some fresh blood. Uh, So again, I get the entrepreneur side going again. Uh, After that, you know, I was kind of front lines of when we acquired realestate.com and then truly acquired us. And so I was running kind of all these projects. And that was a front row seat to see what the portals did really well and what they didn't. Um, And from there, when I left and I recruited down to Austin and that's where I'm now, I saw that there was really a need when I was at a conference and one of the main conferences in New York, everyone was talking about AI and big data and, but they were misusing every term in a way that it was just grossly disgusting. And I'm like, I have a patent here Mm. from 2013, of predicting future events. I'm watching these other companies infringe on it and kind of basically do wrong by it because the tech's solid, but the way it's been applied in the industry has just been kind of, you know, for naught. right. It's really marketing automation platforms that just wanted a marketing and so they stuck AI on the side of their packaging off of the went. Um, I, I got frustrated with it, watched and watched as people actually wanting it. I said, okay, great. The industry is finally ready for it. The technology is mature so this tech stack can actually deliver the times now. Um, and so I, I broke away from the company I was with at the time um, and founded Likely.ai. And I mean, we, our mission really is to be that intelligence as a service business a kind of the hub and spoke so we can give you the intelligence use whatever marketing platform or CRM or, you know, the way that your brand connects with your audience hmm. um, and do it. So you don't have to rely on the real estate portals of the world who don't have your best interest as an agent lender investor at heart. I mean, they're there to grow market share, to grow revenue quarter over a quarter, and they're going to do it in ways that are not always beneficial to you in a lot of ways, you know, not competitive to you. So, uh, <clears throat> That's what led me to go rather than investing in landing pages and trying to play that game. It was there's just going to be this need for top of funnel, Mm. and we believe we can do it better with AI and then partner with these great MarTech platforms that are out there in order to fulfill the need within the market.
0: So, explain predictive analytics then for everyone who's listening, because um, I and 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 people's expectations of what predictive analytics mean. So, like, what data are you looking at? What is that actually then telling you? And what should you expect from like an accuracy standpoint? Yeah.
3: Can I tell a little story that I think it's a little more entertaining to you, say it this way? Yeah, absolutely. Good? Please. please. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, when people are like Because every time we, we know, talk about exactly. it, we get similar responses. Yeah. So yeah, please. <laughs> uh, you guys probably know this story because you guys are in the marketing business and side of the world. But um, a lot of people don't know the, the target story. Mm. Um, I think it really well illustrates what we do and why we do it. Um, So the way the story goes is kind of go back 10 years before smartphones were prolific and everything else. And this man comes into a target store irate because his underage daughter has been getting a a lot of advertising about pregnancy things. And he's like, you know, basically berates the, the manager. Why are you, why are you sending my, my underage daughter, these things. Right. and, Hat in hand, I don't know. I'm so sorry. Uh, right, and guy leaves, comes back a couple of weeks later after having an honest conversation with his daughter. He goes, "I'm so sorry, you know, she's pregnant." And mm-hmm. and it was like a, it hit, hit the father in the face so hard because like you know, how does Target know that my daughter's pregnant before I know she's pregnant? And it really comes back to people. Oh, wow, it's magic. It's mystical. It's all these things. People are listening on smart speakers and all this stuff, and it's not. It, it's it's math. It's pattern recognition. And so what they found. Is that within the first 20 weeks of being pregnant, um, women bar, bought large amounts of uh, uh, <clears throat> zinc, magnesium, and calcium, right? And at the beginning of the second trimester, they bought large quantities of unscented lotions. Mm. Now, after I say that, you go, like, oh, of course, yeah, that's what my wife did. I, yeah, that makes sense. But it, it's just pattern recognition, right? When they type in the little code at the store to get the 10% discount or whatever, they're tracking everything, right? I mean, we all do it at all the different stores. And so, they were able to do this kind of ahead of time because they have this clean, relatively clean data set, right? What we do and the difference uh, is that we have to go from uh, 3,142 different real estate municipalities to get the assessor recorder, AVM, pre-foreclosure open lane. We have to then source 300 million demographic files with a couple of, you know, we have 418 data points in each property and then tie it all together without someone typing in a code and keep it current in order to basically find people that are pregnant. Right, mm. in this case, rather than being pregnant, desire to sell a home. And so predictive analytics, you know, really artificial intelligence, people give it more credit than it is. Like it is getting smart, but it's not as smart as you think. Mm. It's really good at certain things, like um classification, um you know, natural language processing, pattern recognition, but it's it's not going to take over the world. It's a great asset if you leverage. For your, for your benefit. Now it costs a lot to do, which is why there's, you know, all these companies that are ca- trying to do it, but then kind of veer off because of the expense associated. Because you have to have all these servers, all this data, all these data scientists focused on one thing, and if you can't monetize it well, well, then it's all for naught. Mm. So, you know, that is what I think one thing that the biggest misconception in the industry is that, you know, artificial, artificial intelligence is going to take away my job. I don't think it is. I, I think that we can actually leverage it to save a lot of agents jobs by making them a lot more efficient at what they do.
1: Simple as that. So iRobot's not going to happen. I I was, (laughs) I was hoping iRobot's going to happen. (laughs) Well, what is this? Uh, (laughs) Maybe now,
3: so now you're talking about deep learning, right? So deep learning is that, that black box stuff, the driverless car. We used deep learning before. It's what really AI is. Um, When within real estate, it's, it's hard to leverage because you need a hard, a large quantity of what they call targets. So it's like labeled data sets. This did that, this did that. We want to target that one over there. Right. And it's hard to get a large quantity of labeled data sets, especially when you have a highly unbalanced classification problem. What does that mean? Non-geek speak only about 5% of people want to sell their homes every year and 95% of people don't. So it's very imbalanced between the two. Mm. And anytime you have over 5% difference between classifications like that, it makes it much more complicated for the uh, modeling that you use to solve the problem.
0: How are you like, what data points are you looking at? And is that getting more and more difficult with all of these issues that the marketing world is being challenged with when it comes to privacy? Un- it's, yeah. it's, it's good for the user, right? We talked about this on, on a podcast we just recorded uh, blanking on, on the interview. Um, uh, it was a, uh, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, what, what are we? Curator. Oh, oh, Jimmy Mackin. Jimmy Mackin. Yeah, so yeah, we talked yeah. about it with Jimmy a little yeah. bit. This idea that, you know, Apple is now kind of aggressively going after uh, companies tracking your right. behavior. How yeah. is that impacting you guys?
3: It's not at all. Um, and the reason why is because go back four years, I was worried about um, online intent signal is what you're talking about, mm-hmm. which is rookie based mostly. I was worried that that was going to be a single point of failure if I built a business that relied on. Hmm. Right? So we said, let's build it the other way, then sprinkle that in. And that way, if, and when someone at one of these major tech firms decides that we don't want to share this stuff anymore in some way or somehow we will not fail as a business. Wow. So it is, it has almost had zero impact on our modeling. Actually it has had zero impact on our modeling. Um, as far as the execution of our clients, it's made their uh, Facebook custom audiences uh, less effective yeah. because from what we understand, I think they inflate their audience up, especially in mm-hmm. the special ad category. So that way you're really not just targeting that special, you know, that custom audience anymore, mm-hmm. which, you know, is a little bit counter to what we're trying to do, but that's the effect of what's happening right now.
1: Go ahead. I was I was actually gonna ask um just from the actual data standpoint so the audience can understand and specifically you guys are working in real estate heavily right now but are you branching off to other industries or
3: yeah um so the way we built our um, pipeline someone says pipeline you know to actually do you know machine learning of some kind. um we kind of made it modular so we use data like you know basically real estate data demographic data, Macro market data, and then active market data, right? Or what's actually on the market. So very different classifications of the data. Um, and because we're at that intersection, like the reason why we got into real estate, A, we, we love the space, know the people, uh, saw how there's a need, but also because the transaction of a home is like this collision of all these massive industries mm. and all this value is created from doing that. And to date, the best way to do that is to put up a page of what's my worth. Right. And it just, it didn't seem very efficient because real estate portals have really done a great job with the bicep, right? right? Real estate portals, pictures of oh, people love that stuff. Yep. But they, they, their search patterns are different, that you can't use PPC in the same way because no one searches for some neighborhood. Right. And so knowing these things, you go, how do I target these people effectively? Well, you have to have an audience of people in, in motion in a, in a moment of change. And the, I'm sorry. I'm just. I can talk and talk on this stuff because I really love helping agents and lenders and investors kind of solve this pain point. Um, but the, the types of data you asked me about, I think I've answered that pretty clearly. If you want me to go deeper on that, happy to. Um, as far as with ancillary industries, uh, we do have people that are kind of in the broader spectrum of the real estate ecosystem, leveraging the intelligence because the way we deliver it and the fact that it's that collision point. Um, people go, man, I really want that. I mean, a lender. I want, to get pre- I want to get people that are pre-approved to buy the next home before they list because everyone dog piles on it once they're on the market. We agents want to be able it's to helped. help people on that, that journey. I mean, even go down to like self-storage units and home services and you know, all the way down to Papa John's Pizza, right? I mean, <laughs> once you put your house in the market, right before you put your house in the market, you don't want to get your the kitchen bird, right? So there's all these points when like
1: all these industries leverage from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, I didn't never thought about the pizza thing. That, that's actually super smart. But how, like, because uh, my initial question in all of this is like, so I, the way I kind of look at it and understand it uh, from the simple terms is okay, you guys are looking at property information, data, demographic information on the person, it, it, purchasing information that they've done, things like that. You're trying to then make correlations or look at patterns and go houses that have sold they tend to have these type of patterns happen before and so you're looking for those same type of pattern, patterns and correlations in the data what is yep. your time frame that you put out there for people who you know like let's say i purchased i don't know if it's a zip code with you guys or whatever what type of time frames do you see is it 6 months 12 months 14 months like what type of time frames do you see for the accuracy of what you're predicting
3: Great question, and that's one of one of the things with predictive analytics in the generic term. I've never really liked from a product productization standpoint. Is that hey, pay me today for something that might happen twelve months from now? Mm -hmm. It's like what that just doesn't make sense. So uh, when we went out to solve this, we said let's we have to find signal that's more in the near term. Um, We've been able to find signal that's within the next ninety days. uh, About one in ten of our our uh, list, and then within the next hundred and eighty days. Um, you know, up to well, one and three, one and four list. So, uh, a high precision, uh, meaning accuracy, uh, within the data that we that we found. Um, and you know, we're in what, uh, you know, thousand plus counties. So, pretty much all the top markets is a couple of holes because we need all the right data to be able to do it. Uh, like like we don't have that target code, right? Okay. Um, and so, it it, it does take um, from one of the kind of loopholes that people always get like confused about is is, is how accurate or, and what does that actually mean compared to what I do within my current business, if I buy leads online or whatever else I do. And so one of the ways for us to benchmark that is how much better than the market turnover are we? right? Prediction turnover is this, market turnover is that. So how much better are we than that? Um, on average, we are a couple hundred percent better. In most cases, we're well north of that. So it gives you a great audience from a marketing standpoint. So I think of it like an online audience. It's a really engaged audience and change. Like one of our beta users commented this way that it's great. It's like you found people that are driving down the road and they're starting to notice those for sale signs and the name on the for sale sign. Kind of thinking about, hmm, what could I do? Or walking into a cafe and picking up the newspaper and thinking, okay, what's going on in the market, but they're not out there filling on lead forms and everything quite yet. They're in that transitional period where, you know, a lender, an investor, or a realtor, they can come alongside that, like, hey, can I offer you something of value rather than transactionally, which is where a lot of people end up.
2: Relationships are the key to success. Right now, everyone in your database knows three to five people who need what you sell. So how do you get those valuable referrals? by connecting consistently and meaningfully. American Lifestyle Magazine is a high-quality, 48-page publication branded to you and full of amazing content your recipients will love. It helps you stay connected with your clients and sphere, keeping you top of mind for referrals. Want to see how it works? Get your free sample of American Lifestyle Magazine at ReminderMedia.com slash Stay Paid Sample. That's ReminderMedia.com slash Stay Paid Sample.
1: No, it's brilliant. I mean, and also, I mean, for the real estate industry, for those that don't know, I'm not sure the exact stat. I think it's 72% choose the first agent that they interview. So being first is like the utmost importance. Like if you're taking away something, it's like you're going to get them into the home first, or you're going to get them to be able to make that phone call first to that potential listing. And 72% of the time, they choose the first agent they interview. Uh, So it makes all the difference.
0: Well, talk about that then, because kind of shifting into once you have the data. So let's say the data is good. You're able to predict, what, one in 10 for people that are likely to move within 90 days, one in three for people with that that 180 days. What are you doing with the data or, or, or seeing your clients effectively use it? Because you can't call people up and say, hey, I see you're on this list of people <laughs> that well, are likely could, to move. But- you could. Probably get some creeped out responses there. So, how how are your uh, your clients using the data from a marketing perspective to then warm those leads up organically?
3: Yeah, so we don't want to have fathers being upset coming into the real estate <laughs> office, right? You know, and so Target got smart and started mixing it in with other ads. Still send them those, but kind of packaged it with other things to kind of blend it in. What we find is there's two ways that our our clients use our product. They're looking to expand their market or into a new market. Um, You know, cost effectively, then they take one of our products that we call a likely seller county license, right, where they get all the predictions that the county updated monthly on a subscription basis. Um, Along that journey, um, we got a lot of requests. Hey, I get all my business, you know, from my my database. Uh, You know, I want to be able to harness this better. How do I do it more efficiently? Um, So we built something we call the the database refresh, which allows you to drag and drop set of addresses you care about, whether it's, uh, you know, your kid's sports team, past clients, old online leads, whatever it is that matters to you. And then we do the rest. And you can hit a button where it says, give me a free report. So we don't want to bill you anything unless the results of the report are locked solid with what is in line with your business. Uh, So we tell you how many legit addresses, how much, you know, GCI has been in the last nine months, basically how many properties are sold. The last nine months and then how many we predict will be in the next six months that's awesome and we'll give you a gross commission income potential if that report looks good then hey we'd love to work with you and service you um but in no way that you know we built that to to, to kind of try to con people because like, i felt like there's a lot of people that were just selling garbage and it upset me um especially when you look at the trends in the market right now and one of the things that kind of led us to, to take that route actively was what's happening with you know the the productivity level of agents making like back in 2020 and kind of looking at the next gen brokerages versus existing brokerages and then who could come next and how that could affect the industry as a whole right um so you know if you look at um i i, I pulled a couple of random stats of like redfin versus compass exp kind of some of those players that are in the top trend areas right You know. Redfin did a great job. They're very 42 transactions per agent. Like they're, that's a high number compared yeah. to six, seven for each PA and compass. And one of the big things that stood out to me was the volume of unique monthly visitors at their site. Right, They're getting roughly 85 million, you know, unique monthly visitors, which mm-hmm. drastically dwarfs any other like brokerage side out there. Right. The only other player that's in that ballgame is Zillow. And it's because they have all the different, you know, assets everywhere. Um, and, you know, I acknowledge that and I don't want to like, put them as a bad guy, but let's just say that something does happen in the issue with Zillow or someone else. If that company right now, it'd be Zillow, um, can be as productive as Redfin. And they just decided they either stand up agents overnight or anoint agents in each market or whatnot. And they were able to be as productive on a percentage of unique visitors a month. Their agents would do 149 sites per year. Right? Zillow so agents, if that if they if, we, if there was a direct correlation between traffic, visitors, in, oh wow, yeah. So they would do 149 sites, and what what would that do to the industry? Right, we'd only need 43,000 agents to handle 6.4 million transactions. And right now we have 1.4 million agents. So whoops, it goes 97 of the industry, mm. right? And so how do we how do we give agents a chance? Like I grew up in the industry. I remember doing the trifold and stuff with my dad, watching. Blockbuster movies on Friday night with my brother Greg. Right. He mentioned the podcast. Like we would literally, we'd get to choose who gets to pick the VHS. And then we'd have that tray of letters. That we'd want to try and stuff like and thinking it was great, but it's just because there's so much work for, for agents to do. Right. And so, how do we help agents do it better? That's what we came with the, with the database audit. Uh, we strongly believe that within their database or, or lists of files of bash leaves or whatever, there's a lot of gold nuggets. It's just hard to work with that. I mean, agents are great at real estate. You know, they love to be belly to belly, getting those transactions, explaining the market. Then they don't, no one loves to do data, right? Besides us. (laughs) So, you know, how do we help them make sure that they can uh, take a hedge against some event that some company decides that they're going to have all this traffic and they just, you know what? We have a retail side. We have uh, an investor side. Uh, we're going to take all the traffic that we generate and send it to one of these two channels and sorry, everyone else go home, have a good night, get back to whatever you like to go do mm. what they can do. And I, what I love about some of the stuff you guys do is it so there's a lot of synergy here is that they know where ha- companies like you guys have amazing content to be able to distribute and get that engagement component with it. Like what I think you have the three E's of content marketing, which I absolutely love Luke, Um, you know, and and being knowing, knowing who to apply that to is all we're trying to do is help them be efficient.
1: No, I love that, man. And I loved how you used the word golden nugget. There are golden nuggets in your database, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, Brad, I use golden nugget term as the term to like pull out (laughs) good things in the the interview, but that is the true golden nugget. There are literally in your database right now, people who are looking for your services that need you. But the agent, unfortunately, it's like what you said, And and it applies to almost every industry. Josh and I have now been in 140 different industries. And it applies to almost every industry. You are just doing your business and you don't realize that, man, I just need to be reaching out. And we saw this for our own businesses that agents want to, they just don't know who to contact. And then they say, okay, here's who to contact. They just don't know how. They don't know what to send them. And that's obviously where Mm -hmm. we step in to try to help them and try to make them more effective. I want to get your personal opinion because you mentioned the Zillow thing, and it's something that's been really, really obviously on the top of everybody's mind in the industry. So Zillow becomes a brokerage. Do you think that's where Zillow's headed, like your prediction for the industry? Do you think real estate is going to be shrinking in terms of the number of agents because it's going to become corporatized, if that makes sense?
3: I think that different different segments of the market will gravitate towards those directions. Right. I mean, if you look at a certain market, you have the high buyers, right? Price point really specific in some geographic locations. Um, the flat fee brokerages, that's going to be a slightly higher price point, uh, but it's not going to be top tier. Um, when you look at the, the kind of the all in ones like the Zillow's. Yeah. I think that there there is going to be a consolidation. I mean, the one thing that we've seen is that, um, every time that any one of these, companies have said they're not going to do something they end up doing it even though when they all the agents are oh no they're, they're going to do Note definitely to do self do, no, everybody they're definitely not going to do it. I think they're going to do it and what do they they end up doing it so if, if we take that as okay, they're probably going to continue that pattern, then it's only logical to think that there's a high probability that that does happen. And if that does happen, right? And whether it's them or maybe it's another company that's starting to acquire a lot of little businesses right now and piece something in together that gets really big overnight, right? Um, is a way to hedge your bet against that. Right. Make sure that you're not reliant. Learn how to um, a build the database of an asset. Like take some lessons from the insurance industry. Don't just you know kind of lip service your database, but like service it. Make sure it's clean. Make sure it's up to date. Make sure you're in con- connection with it. Make sure you have a relationship with it. Like yeah, build an Right. Two would be then uh, to get you know real personal with it. Uh, I, I love the Ford you know analogy of you know kind of how you have those conversations and. Sure, you guys have great content that probably ties in better than that. But just striking a striking an actual relationship with them uh, is something that one of our clients in New Jersey, who's an OP, he sent out these invitation cards, man, people started calling him nonstop to, against likely sellers and go, of course, we're going to come with you You sent us six of those uh, nice cards, uh, not cards, but letters. Mm-hmm. And they, that's they said letters, right? And it was that was like the whoa, okay, you struck a relationship component. It wasn't, you weren't spamming me with, I don't know, Facebook ads or something. Right. It was like there was something personal. And and you can do that in a lot of different ways. But I think those are two things that um that you have to be able to do um to to make sure that you get in, you know, in front of the click, right? You get you get to them be that person that they want to talk to before they go and and ask a stranger and be, you know, take the first person (laughs) that responds to them and goes, okay, they know more than me. They probably don't, but they think they do, hmm. right? And so build that build those relationships off of an
1: asset. It's super sure. super well said. I think there's two things like if you want to survive the transitions that always happen. I think the two things you have to focus on one is the relationship. I think that the person who owns the relationships going to win. People pay more for relationships, and I think the second piece of it is the trust aspect of being the SME, the subject matter expert. I think Tom Ferry calls it the uh, trust broker or something like that or the agent of okay. trust from that standpoint is you've got to be the one where anytime there's a service that comes in, whether it's d- driven by tech or driven by the masses, right? And you're like, wow, this person, because they're part of this huge conglomerate and they have all these resources, you really go, they know what they're doing. It takes another level of credibility to win over the prospect from those businesses that have all the resources. Like if yeah. I'll give an example in yes. the financial industry of, are you gonna go with the Merrill Lynch advisor or the advisor on Main Street that's not part of like a Merrill Lynch or a Morgan Stanley? And this is no, you know, if you're a Merrill Lynch advisor, or Morgan Stanley advisor listening to this, you know, I'm not knocking you guys by any means, but here's what I'm saying is that the only way you choose this Main Street advisor is if you have a personal relationship, which was the first one I said, or this Main Street advisor has shown you that they have insights to their expertise that is even more personalized and and knowledge-wise than the Merrill Street who's just getting the -the run-of-the-mill standard, as you would think about it. And so I'm not sure if that's making sense to the audience, but it's a really, really thing you have to hone in on and going, it's why even the biggest, most talented firms a lot of times are these like, really independent firms, really small because they're specialized. Like this is the yeah. one thing I do extremely well. I know it. I know it better than anybody. Yeah, you can go with a big company, but they're doing everything for everybody. This is the one thing I do. So those are like, if you want to survive, yeah, if Zillow yeah. turns into a brokerage, so be it, they're going to get a lot of the business. So how are you going to beat them? You either have the relationship or you showcase that Zillow treats everybody the same. I treat people different because I specialize.
3: That. Perfectly said, and I mean, I think that would definitely connect with most people. And if it doesn't, then think about it like SEO, right? I mean, like everyone talks about long tail, and don't say condos in you know Portland. Say condos with hardwood floors or dog parks next to the river. Like, I mean, speak to your audience, Smart. Like, niche yep. down most right? I mean, like find that piece, and then just apply that to to how you communicate with your database. You know, I mean, connect with them. Yep.
1: Now, so so well said. Well, talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, obviously you have this company, Likely AI. There's other companies out there. This is probably a selfish question for me because, um, sure. you know, we I've been in the industry a little bit. Is how do you guys compete to these other companies that are offering a similar thing? Well, is there sure. a unique value differentiator? Is it come down to the models and the predictability? Um, a little bit of our pet peeve, Josh and I, is, like we offer a free type of service to our clients. And the reason why we chose to give it away for free with our products is because it was like, we didn't want to sell something that we truly couldn't. It's like you said, I don't want to sell something where it's like, it might come true 12 months yeah. from now, right? Type idea. But I wanted to offer that value to our yes. clients. I wanted to give yeah. it to them as a way to go, Hey, I, w- I want to try to help you. So how do you, how do you compete um, in the arena of the data providers?
3: Yeah, uh, good question. So, I mean, I think it's like a category perspective. Um, you know, it, it, it's really three things. Is first is it's a precision. I mean, you know, if you ask any one of the other providers, anyone who's listening to this, ask them how uh, how much better they are than random, right? Ask them what the precision is, and see what they say. Every time any any one of our clients ask it, they come back and they buy immediately because we are very transparent like that's what we base on we are um we have a group of data scientists that need to think about how do i make the precision better every single day mm. right and they try all kinds of stuff right you know one night one week hey I, you know, i'm gonna try weather patterns and see all that changes let's put disaster zones in let's i mean you name it like we tried it deep learning machine learning mosaics everything and so with us taking that angle on the market going, okay, there's a red ocean down here. There's a blue ocean up top of someone and actually bring this tech to the market because everyone wants to leverage, you know, they, either their contacts or their content more efficiently. We need to actually deliver on that and not be the automation platform. There's a lot of them and a lot of reasons why pick, people pick different ones. So don't compete there. Right? Become that in the hub and spoke model, be the intelligence hub that then allows people to be able to push it and use it wherever they want. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing kind of free the data. Uh, the second, I'm sorry, the first one's the, the precision. The second one is that we are kind of free the data. We don't make you use what we have. We actually encourage you, and the way our system is designed is to let you pick it wherever you want to use it. And we're always looking to reduce our friction to allow them to do that to be more efficiently. Um, but that's kind of one of the underlying beliefs that we have. Um, the <laughs> The third thing is that we have a patent for it. Um, and so back in 2013, we. We got a patent for predicting future events in real estate uh, from work I did in 07. I watched all these other companies really? infringe upon it. Yeah. And so I have watched all these other companies infringe upon it. And so whenever we look at hiring another, another data scientist team, we kind of do this, you know, data science interview, right? And uh, one of the companies we almost just hired someone from uh, that just got acquired for a nice amount of money from a company on the East Coast. Um, we were talking about what they do for the modern. Because, like, oh, we use AI. I'm like, oh, that's cool. A lot of people say that. What do you guys do? You know, and, and they were talking, they have a 12 month lookalike model that basically delivers very low precision, but allows them to talk about having AI and, and a, kind of what's the difference between that and us. We build one model for every single county. So we have 3,142 models. Actually, we have dozens in each county that are running on both our R&D and our production pipeline. We see which one works the best. And then we test them side-by-side, side, real-time market. If it does continue to outperform, then we lock it into the next production. Each month, we retrain the score of all of the models and re-deliver the predictions to clients. So we, we put a large amount of our investment in the precision of marketing, uh, in the precision of the predictions. And the reality is, is when, you, when you're in the lab and you're training the models and you can get some like 99, 98%, basically right below, right below what's overfitting and we know it's garbage. But like, you can really get some good models. But in real estate, the data is so dirty and segmented, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work. If someone even goes, we have a separate business if we wanted of just the normalization layer that we do between raw data and making a model ready. So that's that's one of the things that rather than investing in the MarTech side, we said, let's partner with great companies to do that. And we'll be the data provider. We're going to be that intelligence provider, right? We don't want to give them raw data. We don't want to do things that anyone else can do. We want to do things that are interesting, that provide real value that, You know, don't solve the yesterday's problem, but solve the problem that we know that they're having today and what's coming tomorrow.
1: I love that, man. Now, that's awesome. So like when you look at like your company and the future of your organization, like where are you guys headed? Are you trying to grow this to be a data company um, that partners in 100 plus verticals? Are you trying to grow it to be, um, hey, once I capitalize on the data, then I can add on the ancillary products like what you guys is long term vision?
3: You know, that's a great question uh, and, and it's internal debate, kind of what path people we go down? I think we probably have a couple months before we have to make that decision. Right now I'd have to say that the, I'm leaning strongly towards the data side, even though I'm a marketer and I love marketing. Like degree was a market. I love yeah. marketing. And I want to do that stuff, but there's great companies. Like your guys, this company that, man, why compete? There's, there's, just, there's not a whole. There's not a strong reason, especially as our clients keep coming back with great stories from these different companies. We just find who they are and then connect with them, right, and kind of create like a reciprocity thing with them. Um, and so, where I think long-term value is is being able to organize all the semi-structured, unstructured data and be able to deliver intelligence back in a way that Homer Simpson can do it. Um, as far as to <laughs> so like, understand our data, that's. If you, if
1: you, that's a golden nugget. That's that struck my, right that there. struck my heart right there. <laughs> the way that Homer Simpson, even Homer, Homer can do it. Yeah. Um. So, like, when you look, obviously, at um your data, and obviously you're trying to predict who's going to move. Do you think we're going to get to a place in time where we will know? At a really high degree, like that's going to be the main way people get their leads within real estate. Do you think like the tech is going to get that good or the data, I should say, is going to get that good to where it's everything's going to be predicted?
3: Uh, I would say if you had if you had data sources,
1: then yes, we could. Um, so the it's really the, the collection of the data that's the problem.
3: That, that is, it's very very segmented, very much like the rest of the industry because it's it's you know often these three thousand and one hundred and forty two silos that are run by government agencies, right? So they're highly efficient, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so you
1: never know how we have how we have we have similar views on that. Highly efficient,
3: yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very very efficient. Um, <laughs> And and then when you look at the demographic layer, I mean, what's what you can purchase from a third party is surveyed, it's it's, it's somewhat modeled, um, it's dirty, uh, it's not one hundred percent accurate, no matter who you get it from. Um, and so, the source that would have been the best, but because of all of the litigation going on, and because of twenty sixteen, and you know, Analytica, Cambridge Analytical and all that, like Facebook from a demographic, what's going on in my life that is where that type of data lives. And mm. so if Facebook wanted to get into that business, then there could be some really good predictions coming out of Facebook. I highly doubt they will because they'll get sued to oblivion, uh, for violating so many different statutes almost immediately because lawyers can make money doing it. Uh, so uh, I think that, um, I think that precision and, and uh, predictions will get better. Uh, I don't think they're ever going to be hundred percent certain because just like every agent that's listening to this knows you pretty much have to have a psychology degree to sell a house. Right. And my dad has told me since I was little going, I feel like I'm more of a psychologist than anything else. 100%. Because, yep. Right. I mean like even when you have somebody that says they want to sell a home and they want this, there could be a thousand things that can blow that up that you have to work through. Right. And so predicting intent and actual, you know, causation, you know, versus, uh, uh, how do I want to say this? Predicting intent can get better and better, right? Predicting the event, um, you know, will vary by what you're looking for, Mm -hmm. right? So when you, when it's on the other side of this chasm of uncertainty, like uh, a transaction, I think it's going to, it's going to be hard to get there. Now, if you gather unique data sets and kind of build out that moat, there's a potential. um, And I think there's a couple of companies that are trying to aggregate some data like that and, and deliver it for different reasons. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be a long time before everything's predicted. Uh, I do think that it'll continue to get better. I just don't know if there's gonna be a happy stick moment where we're going to go from this to that gotcha. um, because it really relies on the data. So, sorry, man, I said that really in a long-winded way.
1: No, I mean... <laughs> it it's
3: it So much faster, man.
1: I'm actually loving it. For, so the audience does. I mean, this is like the world Josh and I have been talking about a lot. It's just like like the vision we have for ourselves, for our company, is how do we send the right thing to the right person at the right time through the right medium, right? Yeah, because exactly. marketing is all about relevancy. If I can be yeah. more relevant to you, you'll pay attention. If I can get your attention, I can deliver a message. If I deliver a message, I can cause action, Yep. And yep. so I need to somehow be able to deliver the right thing to the right person, and data can help me do that. Yep. Um, and so that's like we we talk about this stuff all the time. So super interesting to me. <laughs> so tell uh, Brad. I mean, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, I was going to say like, the thing you just let's say: um, um, email response rates or direct mail response rate or uh, connectivity rates and, and phone calls. Those are predictable events. Right? Those are definitely predictable events. Uh, we've actually even built models that are kind of the prototypes for doing this type of thing. So totally off record. We're gonna talk about that later. Happy to do so. Yes.
1: <laughs> uh, because like those that's are a golden that, nugget, know, ladies and gentlemen. No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's why we call the company likely.a, not real estate something or other like you know AI yeah. is like we believe that there's a lot of events that surround a transaction, both prior, during, and after. Uh, and we wanna be that, that real estate, you know, artificial intelligence modeling partner. Like we want to be able to help the industry get smarter, spending less money up front, be more efficient during and follow up. That's
1: awesome. awesome. Yeah.
3: So how
0: do people try it out?
3: Uh, so you can go to um, likely.ai and you can kind of check out the different things we have. The site's a little old, but it's, it works great. Um, you can also go to app.likely.ai. Mm. If you want to try uh, getting re- what we call a database refresh for free, drag oh, nice. and drop, we need address, City, State, and Zip. Drop it in there. If you have first and last name, we can tell you if the person still lives there or not, kind of some other fun things oh, cool. that a lot of people like, forget to look at and they're still marketing the wrong people uh, that moved four years ago type of thing. It was happening so lot, it seems like. Um, and just go through and say, hey, give me a free report. So you drag and drop your file, give me a free report, create a free account, and then you'll get a text, with, usually within an hour, um, when your database request is ready. You come back and you look at my nice report.
0: That's sweet. That's fantastic. We're gonna include all those links in the show notes of this episode as well. Brad, any way that you want people to connect with you? LinkedIn, Instagram? Yeah,
3: please find me on LinkedIn. i love to uh, have any conversations with MarTech vendors, agents, lenders, brokerages. I mean, we've worked with you know the largest Keller Williams uh, you know, expansion teams to uh, Wells Fargo's, to USAAs. I mean, everything from the individual agent all the way up to those you know top 500. Um, and we wanna provide this intelligence to everybody. So please reach out to me on LinkedIn or you can email um, more deals at Likely.ai and one of our our teammates will route it over to me.
0: Awesome, Brad. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing everything you're doing over there with your business. Pretty exciting stuff. You can get all of those links that we mentioned at the show notes at staypaidpodcast.com. And while there, you can get all the videos for all of our episodes as well. If you're looking for ways to support the show, there's only two ways we ask. The first way, head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star review. And leave a comment to let us know what you uh, thought about this episode. maybe pretty soon, Brad, you can build a model to predict who's going to go give us a review. Yes. So we can, <laughs> we can, I can know when to beg for more. The best but way yes, to help sir. out the show is to tell a friend and share this episode on your social media. If you want to get hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast at remindermedia.com and follow us on Instagram. We are at Stay
1: Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke acery and the action item from this one i kept thinking through the podcast because you know one is i want you to go look at this if you're not using this type of data if you're not looking into using this to either look at your database or to do some type of farming list or something like that i really think you're missing out on a key potential for you in your marketing so go do that but the thing i kept coming back to of like what's the action item that you can literally take away from this and go okay I need to go look at this data and I need to go look at, can it make me more efficient in my marketing? But the main thing that this data should be driving me to do is it should be driving me to reach out to the people in my database to find out, are they looking? Do they need your help? Can you be of value to them? So use this podcast as a reminder to go, hey, who are the people on my list right now that I need to be reaching out to, checking in, offering value to building the relationship because it's a relationship game. And if you remember from our discussion in this podcast, we literally talked about there's two things you got to showcase. One is the relationship. The other is that you are the subject matter expert, that there's nobody that knows more about your business, your industry, your expertise than you. And so you need to reach out to the people in your database to make that happen. The difference between top producers and mediocre producers in every single industry is top producers take action. Take action on that today.